So I started to learn the parish of Kisiso. So, you know, Kisiso is like probably the most, uh, the most uh, significant parish in the Torah. Because it's the parasha that contains the story of the Cheta Egel. Cheta Egel is um, the golden calf, which remains with us, right, in our, in our history, in the, the story of Am Yisrael in the Torah. The event that is most uh, overwhelming in its negativity is the Cheta Egel. But before the Chet Egel, right before the story of the Chet Egel, is the command to build a kior. A kior, in English, is a, they always say a laver. I haven't got a slightest idea what a laver is, but that's it's like a it's like a big glass, like a cup, like you this big. It. What? You wash it, laver. A laver, you wash, right? Yeah, I guess. There's a picture on the other side. <laughs> so in, in any event the Torah, the Torah tells us about building a kior <coughs> a kior is something that existed in the Mishkan right in the Mishkan of the desert for some reason it appears in the parasha of Kitisa even though the kelim of the Mishkan appear in the parasha first in Truma and then in Pchudei. Just to remind you, the last five parashiyot in the book of Shemot are Truma, Tetzaveh, Kitisa, Vayakel, Pchudei. Now it's important to remember that Truma, the parasha of Truma, is the parasha of the Kleha Mishkan the various vessels that were in the Mishkan, starting from like the Aron and the Menorah, right? That's Truma. And Titzaveh is the parasha of the Big Day Kahuna. Now these two parashiyot are repeated in the Torah, actually repeated, the parashiyot, except that they are reversed at the end of the Sefer, right? Vayakel, Pekudei. Vayakel is the parasha of Big Day Kuhuna. And Pekudei is the parasha of the clay HaMishkan, the vessels that were used in the Mishkan. Now in between these two sets of parashiyot, Truma Tetzave and Vayakel Pekudei, is the parasha of Kitisa, this week's parasha. Now this, the parasha of Kitisa's contains many things, <coughs> but probably the most significant of them is the Chet HaEgel. The Chet HaEgel, which we've spoken about over the years in different ways. One of the apparently less significant things in the parasha is the building, is the command to build a kior. To build a kior. And the kior, if you look in the psukim, we'll look in the pasuk. Uh, where are the psukim? The psukim on the, on the uh, reverse or obverse of the page. Shmot perik lamet. You see? You see, it says, Hashem Moshe Vasita kior nechoshet. Nechoshet is what? Copper, 
copper is something that comes out of the ground, right? You, you know, you could, it's like a metal. You, you can beat it, you can shape it. It's not so hard, not really very hard, but it's something that's malleable. So a kior nechoshet means you use nechoshet to build the kior. Now the kior, the dimensions of this kior do not exist in the Torah. Unlike the Aron and the Menorah and the Mizbeach, the dimensions are part of the description. The kior, there are no dimensions. All it says is, the kior nechoshet. Make the kior out of nechoshet. V'chano nechoshet l'rachza. Lachano is the base of it. Like if it's round, like a cup. If it's like a cup. Now you have to understand all these picture books that tell you what all these things look like are themselves imagined. They're not pictures of what it really looked like. They're pictures that Mishu, that somebody just thought of. So usually the picture of the kior is that it's like a, a large soup terrain, you know, round. But since it's round, it won't stand. It needs a base. And that's kano. That's the kano. So you put this round thing into the base and it stands. And not only that, <coughs> the purpose of this is water to wash with. So you know, Oel Moed is an enclosed part. The Oel Moed is enclosed. And the Oel Moed itself, or what's called in the Beit HaMikdash, Kodesh and Kodesh Kodashim, right? It's like a rectangular building, two-thirds of which are the Kodesh, and the back third is Kodesh Kodashim, and they're separated by a curtain, the Kodesh and the Kodesh Kodashim. The Kodesh has the menorah in it, and the Mizbeach (coughs) has a hav, the Mizbeach for the Ketoret, for the uh, for the sacrifice of the spices, right? Incense, incense, right? And the one third is where the Aron Kodesh was. Right? There was an Aron Kodesh, and you, we speak about four. There were four periods of the Beit Hamikdash. There was Mishkan, right? Bayit Rishon was built by David and Shlomo. Bayat Sheni, that was built by Ezra, Nehemiah, Yisrubavel, you know, the people who came back, who led the Jews back to Eretz Israel. <coughs> and then there's the Bayat Shlishi, that has not yet been built, which is described in the book of Yechezkel. Several chapters of Yechezkel describe the Beit HaMikdash to be, to become. So again, there are four Batei Mikdash, you could talk about the Beit Mikdash. There's the Mishkan in the desert, Bayit Rishon, that's David Shlomo, Bayit Sheni, Ezra, Nehemiah, Zerubavel, 
and Bayit Shlishi, which is the imaginings of Yechezkel Hanavi. He was in Bavel, but he spoke about the return to Eretz Yisrael and the building of the of the uh, Beit HaMikdash after, uh, it's considered to be the Beit HaMikdash after the Galut which we, which still exists right? Pasuk Yutet V'rachatzu Aaron Ubanav Mimenu et Yidehem Vedraglehem that Aaron Ubanav when they come to do the Avodah in whatever Avodah they're doing in the Beit HaMikdash they have to wash their hands and feet first so this kior, when it was built in the Mishkan, had two spigots. Is that a word? Yeah. Yeah, a spigot. It, it, like you, you turned it and water came out. And the way they, the Gemara says, the Gemara Numa says the way that they washed was the right hand, of the right hand you grabbed your right foot and then you picked it up if you, you know, Kohanim didn't work after the age of 60. So I don't have to do this. But if I could do it, you have to stand on one, you would stand on one foot and raise the other foot with your hand and then let the water pour on, on that. You clean off your hand and your foot at the same time. That's what the Gemara, that's what the Gemara said. <coughs> uh, Right, this is an obligation, keeps them alive. Whenever they go to serve on the Mizbeach to aid in bringing a korban, they have to wash their hands and feet. And this is the this is the story of the of the kiyor. Now Rashi adds a few uh, a few words of explanation. This is uh, this is all in the beginning of the parasha of Kitisa. Remember, Kitisa, which is primarily the 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 parasha that concerns Egel Azahav, also talks about the kiyor in the beginning, and for some reason. The kiyor is not included with the other clay hamizbeach. Right? The kelim are divided into two groups, right? The kelim that you know, you can't do without, and then there are what is called klisharet, helping, helping kelim. Like in order to bring the incense from one place to another, you need a kind of shovel. So a shovel is called, but a shovel is not the main thing. The main thing is moving the toret from here to there. So the shovel is called a kli sharet. Now it's not clear what the category of a kior is. Because <coughs> while the kior prepares the kohen to do the avodah, it's not part of the avodah itself in any way. Well, it's not clear exactly what the status of the kiyor is. But now let's look at Rashi. On these psukim. Kiyor, Rashi says, Kemin dud gedola. Everybody in Israel knows what a dud is. Velad dadim amerikim befihemaim. And it has these spouts that water comes out of. Vichano. 
Kitagumo ubisisei. Bisisei kitagumo means I depend on Unculus in this matter. And Unculus says bisisei, it's foundation, right? The thing it sits on, the, the, the kiyo. Moshav mitukan the kiyo, that's how he says in Hebrew, a, a kind of a, 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 a way to prop up the kiyo, to, to hold it up. L'rachatza musav al kiyor. The word l'rachatza is connected to the kiyor. Ubein hamizbeach. What mizbeach are we talking about? We're two mizbechot in the in the mishkan. Mizbeach haola. Mizbeach haola. That's the mizbeach that the korban tamid was given on twice every day, minimally. That was happened every day. And that's the big Mizbeach outside that had the keves, the ramp, that the Kohanim would run up and do whatever they had to do on the Mizbeach, which was big enough to walk around on. That's called the Mizbeach. He calls it Mizbeach HaOla. Shekatuv shehu lifnei petach mishkan oel moed. So that Mizbeach contains two parts. It contains the Mizbeach itself, which, had, which was square, and the ramp. So the square part was in front of the entrance to the Oel Moed, right? Or later on called Kodesh and Kodesh Kodeshim, right? In the Mishkan, it was called the Oel Moed. Vayakiyor Meshuch Kama, a little bit pulled over. Vaomeid Keneged Avir Shabena Mizbeach Vahamishkan, and it's in the space in between the altar and the, that little building called Mishkan or Oel Moed Ve'eino mafsik klal beinatayim and there's no, it doesn't take up all the space between the two Mishum Shene'amar et Mizbacha Ola Sham Petach Mishkan Oel Moed Klomar, Rashi himself explains Lefnei Oel Moed the Mizbeach is before, so it's a little off. It's not like you have the Mizbeach, the Kiyor, but you have a Mizbeach, and the Kiyor is a little off to the side, you know, this way, and then the Olmoed. <coughs> okay. Rashi says, we skip to Pasuk Yutet at Yidehem Bet Raglehem, Bevatachat, Hayam He would somehow clean off his hands and feet at the same time. How do you do it? How do you do Kiddush Yadayim Raglayim? As we said before, He takes his right hand and puts it on his right foot. This, we know this from Avram, Avinu, and the angels. Remember, the angels came, they had to wash their feet. And Rashi says, because, you know, they could tread on places that were idolatrous. And they didn't want to carry that dirt, the dirt with the idolatrous kind of uh, remnants <coughs> into the house of Avram, into the house of Avram, Avinu. The last pasuk, Rashi says, You see, the last Rashi, 
Hayim lo yirchatsu yamutu. If they don't wash, they will die. Shebatorah neemra neemru klalot. There are general statements made in the Torah. And whenever the Torah says no, that something won't happen, you know, the opposite, it will happen. Right, so what does the Pasuk say? It says, That's all it says. It doesn't say anything about dying. It says you, so Rashi says, no, no, that's what it means. That if you don't wash, the Kohanim will die. So this is the story this is the story of the Kiyor. The mystery of the Kiyor is, the mystery of the Kiyor is that there are no measurements and no size. So if you look in, the, in Malachim, <coughs> where there's a description of the Kiyor that Shlomo HaMelech made in the Beit HaMikdash, right? Remember Beit HaMikdash Arishon? The Psukim say that there wasn't really Kano was changed the Kiyor was uh, sat on 12 figures of oxen somebody carved out oxen and put three on each side three, six, nine, twelve and then they rested the Kiyor into into that base. So that would seem to indicate, that would seem to indicate that Shlomo HaMelech thought that he didn't have to imitate what the Mishkan, what the Kli in the Mishkan looked like because it doesn't have any measurements. And all it says is there has to be something to rest it on. <coughs> so for some reason he made it very fancy and he had these 12 oxen, uh, three on each side, holding the kior, which was much bigger than the kior in the Mishkan. And that's because there was no measurements. There were no measurements for this kior. Okay? So now, the kior is mentioned, as I told you, again in the parsha of Pekudeh, right? Truma is parallel to Pekudeh. Truma Tetzaveh, Kisisa, Vayakel, Pekudeh. Truma, Pekudeh. The first parsha and the last parsha. Even though the Kiyor is in Kitisa, but all the other Kelim are in Truma. <coughs> so in, in that in that parasha, if you go back to the beginning of the page here, Vayaset HaKiyor Nechoshet. Moshe Rabbeinu, right, using the good offices of Betzalel and Aliyah, right, they were his, uh, I don't know, talented associates in building the Mishka. Which artists. see, what? Resident artists. Well, uh, well they, no, they, they worked. Resident artists work? Oh. <coughs> well, they were working. And uh, uh, it, it just goes to show, it goes to show, I think, that, that even when there's precision in the Torah, like about the, the Aron Kodesh, you still have to be an expert to make it. I mean, it's not like you could Google the Aron Kodesh and out it comes. 
if you don't know how to work with gold and wood and, and, and uh, all that kind of stuff, you're not going to come up with anything too interesting. So the Pasuk says, Vaya'as, singular, even though it refers to <laughs> all of them. Eta kiyor nechoshet, vet kanon nechoshet. Right? As it says in our parasha, kitisa. Do this and do that. They did it. Bimarot hatsovot asher tzavu petach olmoed. And this is the, the, the mystery. This is the mystery pasuk. Bimarot sounds like the modern Hebrew word mar'a, which, is, which means uh, a mirror. Mar'a is a mirror. Tsovot will leave it be. I have no idea. Then it says, Asher tzavu, tzavu, like a tzava is an army. An army is a collection of people. Tzavu could mean they collected together. They came together. We'll see in a minute what Rashi says. <coughs> okay? So that, this is a total departure. This is, there's there's no, no other contribution to the Mishkan that is identified in this way. In the beginning of the parasha of Truma, it tells you the things that the Jews had to bring in order to build the Mishkan, right? They brought the, the gold and silver and, and copper and, 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 and uh, cloth and golden thread and, 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 and jewels. And all that stuff went into making the Mishkan, the Kelim of the Mishkan, and the Big Day Kuna. And along comes this one thing, one, one uh, uh, Kli called Kiyor, which is made with Marot Hatzovot. Rashi, quoting the Tanchuma, says as follows. See the Rashi? It's a wonderful Rashi, but it's hard to understand. The, the, the women of Israel had mirrors. The mirrors weren't made of glass, like our mirrors, but they were made of copper. You shine it up, and you get a mirror, I guess. I have never tried it, but I believe it. And even they, these mirrors, were not prevented by the people from coming as contributions to the Mishkan. Moshe found them disgusting. <coughs> because mirrors are the, the handmaiden of Yetzirahara. Right? Why is it that the women are looking in the mirrors? Because they want to look nice. So why do they want to look nice? Okay, we all understand. So Moshe Rabbeinu didn't want to accept the mirrors as a contribution to building the Mishkan. Kodesh Baruch said to Moshe Rabbeinu, Kabel, no, no, take them. 
כי אלו חביבים עליי מן הכל. I like them more than anything else. I guess it means more than anything else that was donated. This is the greatest donation that, were, that was given. So besides the, the, the problem of simple pshat, you have an interesting case of where Moshe Rabbeinu, Moshe Rabbeinu came down from Har Sinai and he told the people, right at the beginning of the parish of Ayakel, let's go build a Mishkan. That's what we have to, I've just received the information I need to build a Mishkan. And yet Moshe Rabbeinu did not get it when he came to the Marot HaTzovot. I mean, like, that's a separate question, but I mean, something to think about. Eilu chavivim alai minakol HaKadosh Baruch said, Shal yideihem, because of these mirrors, hermidu anashim tzivaot rabot b'mitzrayim. Many, many progeny came to these women in Egypt. Kishahayu ba'aleihem yigeim ba'avodat parech, <coughs> their husbands were worn down from the, 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 the labor that was imposed upon them by Paro. They would go, the women would go and bring them uh, bread, food and drink. They would feed them. And they would take these mirrors. And they would be able to see each other in the mirror, the husbands and the wives. And the wives would kind of entice the husbands with various things that they would say. She would say, I look better than you do. And because, and in this way, <coughs> they would encourage the husbands to have relations. And, and they would become pregnant and give birth there. And uh, Rashi quotes a pasuk in Shir Hashirim: "Tachat atapuach or artiko under the apple tree. I I enticed you. V'zeshin emar b'marot hatzov ot." The Chazal say that this is a reference to the marot hatzov ot of Bnei Yisrael. V'nasa kiyor mehem, and the kiyor was made from them. Shehu. What is the connection between Marot and Tzovot and the Kior? After all, the Kior is just water. So he says, Shehu l'asum shalom ben ishto, that the purpose of the Kior, <coughs> one of the purposes of the Kior was to create peace between a man and his wife. How so? Lashkot mimayim shebetocho et shekina laba'ala Right, you know that there is the din of Nisha Sota, right? The husband suspects her, remember, suspects. And there are no witnesses. There are no witnesses, so the Torah says <coughs> that there is this test that you can run 
to see if she's telling the truth or not. And the test is that she drinks the water mixed in with the parsha of Sota. <coughs> and if she lives through it, you know that she's innocent. So Lashkin Shalom means taking uh, the husband from a state of doubt, or the husband and the wife from the state of doubt that they're in, <coughs> into a state of certainty. And that's Lashkin Shalom, because until the test of the Sota, the husband is really not able to kind of find any, any uh, satisfaction. Right? You should know that these are really mirrors. That <coughs> the choshet that was brought, there was a certain amount of the choshet that was brought, that was used for other things. It wasn't used for this. That the Nechoshet that was used, the copper that was used to make the Kiyor, was not the same copper that was used for other things in the Mishkan. That means it's all found in the Tanchuma, which we'll look at in a minute. V'cheinter game Unculus, Unculus himself explained b'machzit neshaya in the mirror of the women. Women used the mirror. V'hu targum shel marot, whatever it is, the laws. Okay, so you have this interesting idea. There's an interesting idea that. The Nechoshet that was used on the, uh, I mean, at the point of the Pasuk, according to Rashi, is that Marot Atzovot, Marot Atzovot is <coughs> the Nechoshet that was used to make the Kiyor. And the Nechoshet that was used to make the Kiyor was different than the rest of the Nechoshet that was used in, in the Mishkan. And the Nechoshet that was used for making the Kiyor was that Nechoshet, the Nechoshet of the mirrors that B'nai Yisrael, that the women of B'nai Yisrael used in order to increase, <coughs> and to increase the number of progeny that the Jews had in, in Mitzrayim. And you know that in Mitzrayim, I mean, Paro tried several ways to eliminate Am Yisrael. One of them was to kill all the all the sons, right, to kill all the sons, and we know, we know that, uh, uh, just read the Pasuk, I don't, it's not on the sheet, but I will read the Pasuk. A man of the tribe of Levi went and took a woman from the tribe of Levi, and they had a son, and their son's name was Moshe. Moshe Rabbeinu was the son of the Ish Mibet Levi. And Rashi says, Rashi says, 
Vayikach et bat levi. Vayikach. Now you know that the word Vayikach in biblical Hebrew also means to marry. Ki yikach ish isha is the way the Torah says if a man marries a woman. So here the Pasuk says Vayikach et bat levi. So Rashi says Parusha yamimena he decided they decided not to have relations they didn't want to have children because of the edict that Paro promulgated and then in parentheses but that doesn't matter you can't see it and then he went and he remarried her because he divorced her because he didn't want to have any more children and then he remarried her and that's why the Pasuk starts with the word and he went and he went means he right he the Beit Levi the Ishmi Beit Levi went in accordance with his daughter's advice what did his daughter say you're worse for us than Paro because in Paro Gazar Paro after all said let's just kill the male children but you say you let's kill the male children and the female children there won't be anybody there <coughs> won't be anybody left uh, and he remarried her and she Yocheved, became a young girl right like Sarah was a young girl she was also a young girl. Uvat Kufla Mechanai, she was 130 years old. Shinolda, Bevoada, Mitzrayim, Benachomot. Okay, so Rashi explains how he knows that she was 130 years old, and even though she was 130 years old, she had a child. She became like a young girl. She became a, a young girl. So you see that, that this business. This business of children in Mitzrayim, of having children in Mitzrayim, came up several times. First it came up with Paro. He said, I, you know, if, if we get rid of the male children, then we'll, have, we'll take the, the, the females ourselves, because there won't be anybody else. There won't be any Jews to, for them to, to marry. <coughs> and here, according to, according to the Rashi, According to the Rashi that we just, uh, that we just learned, uh, the Jews again decided, or they didn't decide, but they, they were oppressed by this situation and didn't want to have children. And the women came with Marot at Sovot, right? Moshe Rabbeinu, according to Rashi, didn't like the idea. You remember... You remember that Moshe Rabbeinu was the object or the subject 
of Lashon Hara by Miriam and Aaron. And what was the Lashon Hara? Ki What do we say? That, that she, he didn't pay any attention to her. He was Moshe Rabbeinu. He lived in a different world. He lived in a different world. I mean, this is always, you know, in the, in the books of Musar and Machshava, right? How do we, one of the concerns is always, how do we rise above what seem to be our natural limit, limits or our natural, uh, it, it was our nature <coughs> is not only superior, it's also at times animal-like. Like, we don't, just like the animals act instinctively, they don't have uh, a lot of daya don't think so much about what they're doing, <coughs> we find our nature, we, I don't mean you or me, but we, find human nature to be problematic sometimes. <coughs> so Moshe Rabbeinu, Moshe Rabbeinu overcame that limit. I mean, that was why Miriam and Aaron couldn't understand him something about Moshe Rabbeinu that they didn't understand. So Moshe Rabbeinu follows his own inclination and says to the women, we don't want those mirrors here. Get rid of those mirrors. Because they remind us of something bad. They remind us of something bad. But HaKadosh Baruch Hu and here's the difficult part. HaKadosh Baruch Hu apparently was willing to say to Moshe Rabbeinu, what works for you is not what's going to work for Am Yisrael. And if you don't have anything to do with, uh, with your wife, <coughs> I mean, it's a hard model to follow. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu, I mean, I, I can't explain it's not, it's a, not only hard, it's, it's undesirable. I mean, we don't have priests that don't... We don't have what? We don't have priests like the Catholics who, you know, don't go near a woman or supposedly, and and it's not, it's not, it's not only a hard model, it's undesirable, isn't it? I could tell you my opinion, but it's not relevant. I mean, you have all it's a difficulty. People who are, you know, you, you may have heard, you may have heard someplace, you know, in, in this kind of a talk or that kind of a lecture, right, that our interest is in Kedusha Vitara. Those are words that are like very pregnant, although not always easily understood. And let me remind you, the Ramban says in the beginning of the parish of Kedoshim that Rashi says simply, well, what is Kedoshim to you? That you have to do what the Torah says. You do what the Torah says and you're okay. Right? If you eat kosher food, you're okay. The Ramban says that if you look carefully at the Torah, you see 
<coughs> when it comes to eating food, there are a lot of concerns that you might have. You know, growing the food, in checking the food, in preparing the food, in cooking the food. I mean, the Torah places a lot of limits on us. Which brings him to the conclusion, which is not written in the halacha, which brings him to the conclusion that you shouldn't eat too much. Now, not eating too much is not exactly something that is prohibited, obviously, in the Torah. But that's the position of the, of the Ramban. That's what kedoshim to you means you look at the situation and you expand on it. You say, this is what the Torah meant. This is what the Torah really wants me to do. Of course, it doesn't say it because it's probably not for everybody. It's not for everybody to be that way, but it is for the elite. <coughs> so yes, it is someplace. It is someplace. That Ramban is a kind of front and center kind of a position. But Moshe Rabbeinu, Moshe Rabbeinu, you see it's recorded this way in the Rashi, and we'll see in a minute it comes from the Tanchuma, how the Tanchuma says the same thing. But Moshe Rabbeinu, and the, the language that's used for Moshe Rabbeinu is very strong. Right? It's very strong. Uh, he found them disgusting. I'm reading Rashi. Because they were, what, what was it about? What were the mirrors for? The mirrors were in order to encourage this inclination that we have, which, which he calls Yetzirah. He didn't say they were going to do anything halachically forbidden. It's, it's like a conclusion that you could come to. It's not one that I advise or suggest. I'm just saying that you could come to such a conclusion based on what the Torah says. Let's look at the at the Ramban. Look at the Ramban. You see the Ramban. Atam the Midrashas have skipped the first section, which is copied of copy of Rashi, and start from Hatam the Midrashas. Three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Line eight. Shebekol melechet hamishkan keblu atachshite min anashim. He says, in all Melechet, all this, the, the needs that the people had, that the, that the builders of the Mishkan had, they accepted donations of jewelry from the women. Kidichtiv, vayavo anashim al hanashim, venezen vitabat vechumaz. Kumaz is a. Um, what do they call those things? A, a belt? A, a what? Chastity belt. Chastity belt. Good. That's a kumaz. So you say a kumaz? If uh, Moshe Rabbeinu wanted to find something that reminded you of the Yetzirah. So I mean there's the, the kumaz, but they, they they, they, no one says that. They accepted it. It was part of the, the, the design. I mean it was made with designs or, or something. I, I, there must be some some museum in England that has uh, this kind of stuff in it. That's more disgusting because that's about raping women. We could say 
more disgusting than Marot Tzov Ot. Aval Sham Nitarva Kol Hanidava. There's no distinction. Moshe Rabbeinu didn't come out against the Kumas. He didn't come out against taking something that was that was a donation. Aval Shiasu Kli Miyuchad Minatachshita Asu Liyetzarah Lo Ya Moshe Bocher Bekach. He says, but this is different because when they took the kumas, the diamonds off the chastity belt, so they mixed it in with all the other jewels. And then you could not identify in a vessel in the mishkan <coughs> the kumas. But this is different because everybody looked at the kiyar and everybody knew exactly what the kiyar was made of. And therefore it reminded you of that. He says, uh, <coughs> so, so the Ramban mitigates, modifies, changes the way it says in Rashi. Rashi says that Moshe Rabbeinu found it disgusting and wouldn't hear of it until God told him that's what you have to do. But here the Ramban says, Right? He says, Lo ya Moshe bocher bekach. Moshe Rabbeinu would not have chosen to use the marot hatsov ot until HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave him a direct order to use that. Lo yadati ech yitparesh lefizeh asher tzavu petach olmoed. What is the meaning of those words asher tzavu? Right? We, we mentioned that at the beginning, but we have it. Rashi did not explain it. Maybe they brought these mirrors to uh, the Ohel of Moshe, where Moshe Rabbeinu lived, which uh, uh, is called Oel Moed, the meeting place, and Moshe Rabbeinu accepted their offer of Marot HaTzovot, because that's what HaKadosh Baruch Hu said. Ki Oel HaMishkan lo because the Oel, which was actually part of the Mishkan, had not yet been built. Right, they were building it, they were in the process of building it, so where'd they bring it? Here the Pasuk says El Oel Moed. <coughs> so Ramban points out another thing that they gave the mirrors as a donation. And these same women came to the OMO aid every day to listen to Moshe Rabbeinu teach, teach Torah. So it was different. It was the whole story of the Marot HaTzovot is <coughs> not about, it's not only about the fact that these mirrors were used in Mitzrayim to produce a proper, proper result, but these mirrors now were donated on a daily basis to the Mishkan and the women who donated came to listen to the Sheurim that Moshe Rabbeinu gave in Torah. 
אשר באו מהם צבא גדול ונאספו אל אוהל מועד לתת מראותיהם בנדבת ליבן, their hearts. In other words, the emphasis is not on what the marot were once used for, but it was, the emphasis is rather on how they gave it. That they all came together, they gave it with a full heart, and they wanted this to actually be recorded. Vayan nechoshet ha-marot, nechoshet kalal b'morat v'yafem ha-ot. This was very... Uh, finely uh, cleaned and shined up and uh, if they're all was used as a mirror and so there's a, a, a reason in Pshat that this was used for the Kior there was the Ramban <coughs> the Ramban has this kind of interest in Pshat for whatever reason and he thinks that Rashi's interpretation, which is based on the Tanchuma, is a little bit far-fetched. And he said that the Marota, the reason that the Marota Tzovot are spoken about in a distinct manner is because it caused all the women to come together and to make the donation together every day and listen to Moshe Rabbeinu teaching, teaching Torah. Right? Begam Nachonhu so that the Ramban, the Ramban's emphasis here is on the giving and not on what the Marot Atzovot, what purpose it served in the past. So you have, you have these, uh, <coughs> the position of of the Ramban against the position of Rashi. Against the position of Rashi. Rashi seems to say Marota Tzovot were donated specifically because of the history that they had, because of what happened in Mitzrayim, because of the fact that the women decided to have children, and, <coughs> and reminded us of the way Moshe Rabbeinu was born after his parents separated because they didn't want to have any more children, and then they remarried, and Moshe Rabbeinu, Moshe Rabbeinu was born. So that, <coughs> that's according to Rashi. According to the Ramban, according to Ramban, the, the whole point was that the women as a group, as women, since there was a call for Marot HaTzobot, and the ones who had the Marot HaTzobot were women, that they had an opportunity, even though they had an opportunity to donate generally, right? They, gen they donated jewelry. But when the jewelry was integrated into the Mishkan, it didn't have, it didn't say women. Women donated. There was a, so the Ramban, the Ramban says, <coughs> this gave the women an opportunity to donate something that was uniquely a women's woman's donation, because after all, the 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 rechush, generally speaking, belonged to the men, right in the Torah setup. <coughs> but the use of this rechush, when it comes to maros and sovot, apparently belonged to the women, and the women were able in that way to determine a place for themselves in the Mishkan, in the building of the Mishkan. And that place, 
as you know, had two, two parts to it, right? As the Mishkan had two parts to it. The Mishkan, I think I mentioned it, right? One part of the Mishkan had to do with Korbanot, right? Then that was, there were Korbanot that you had to give every day, <coughs> and they were, they were Korbanot that you gave uh, from time to time. The second thing in the Mishkan was the Oomo Eid. And the Oomo Eid was the place where God communicated Torah to Moshe Rabbeinu, who in turn <coughs> communicated that Torah to Bnei Yisrael. So according to the Ramban, according to the Ramban, the women, the women as women, as a community, not just as families or as part of a family where they could donate jewelry etc which then would disappear into the general fund <coughs> but women as women could donate an item which belonged to them exclusively marot hatsovot and then that would go into the hardware of the mishkan Right, the kior, that was a thing, right, an object that was necessary, <coughs> was necessary for the korbanot, when the kohanim went to do the avod in the Beit Hamikdash, they had to wash themselves. <coughs> the water was in the kior. The kior was the donation of the women, as women. And there was no doubt about it. You always knew that. You always remembered that it was the women who donated the kior as women because the marot hatzavot belonged to them, irrespective of what the specific ownership might have been. And then they stayed and they learned Torah, which was the other aspect of Mishkan. <coughs> Mishkan was the place where Moshe Rabbeinu learned the Torah for HaKadosh Baruch Hu and then taught the Torah to B'nai Yisrael. So then the Torah, according to the Gemara, the Torah was taught again and again and again, the same thing over again in the Midbar. And so the women were able to participate because <coughs> the Pesach says, Asher Tzav'u Petachol according to the Ramban. They were like a group, a crowd. They were Tzava. They were a crowd in front of Oel Mo'ed. What was going on in Oel Mo'ed? Uh, uh, the Torah was being taught <coughs> so that the women were able as women, as a community to connect to these two aspects of the Mishkan right, the carbon aspect, right, the, the sacrifices that were given and the Torah that was the Torah that was taught, that's the opinion of, that's the opinion of the Ramban, which I think is uh is interesting okay have a good job